0: hey one more thing before you go in this episode we learn the abcs of zen the journey of a school teacher a mother a poet and a producer who teaches us resilience fortitude and laughter can bring your life joy and change i'm your host michael Hurst. this is that thing about all things xenology My guest in this episode is Zen Ashe. She's a black woman from the South, born in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. She was educated at HBCU Jarvis Christian College and most recently an artistic entrepreneur. She's a mother raising twins, a poet, a producer, a comedian, an activist, a podcast host, and a survivor. Welcome to the show, Zen.
1: Well, thank you for having me.
0: So I'd like to talk about your journey. You have an amazing journey from where you came from, what you've achieved, and how you share things with the world. But kind of start at the beginning, if you don't mind.
1: Um, well, I was born uh, in Baton Rouge, as you already said. I kind of grew up between um, Texas. My parents came here when I was six. And then I also grew up in Baton Rouge because I went every summer to spend the summers with my grandparents. So I kind of got some old school <laughs> values like working in the garden and making, uh, my grandmother cooked everything from scratch as well as, you know, the more 70s uh, version. So I kind of got two upbringings in a sense and, um, went to Catholic school, then went to public school. Started writing poetry in elementary and just continued. It was one of my ways of coping with the world. And then, um, you know, got married out of college, ended up getting divorced and then remarried. Um, My first marriage was an abusive marriage, you know, physically abusive. Um, I stayed in that for five years. It took me about two years of counseling to kind of, um, I guess you could say, get over that. You know, I also was uh, what's called um, an adult who was abused as a child, you know, sexually abused. So I had that also to deal with when I kind of came to my adulthood, kind of dealing with all of the healing that I needed to to accomplish. You know, got married again, stayed married until about six years ago, uh, got divorced again. And then I was like, okay, I need to really become the person that I should be. You know, I, I was very, in a sense, traditional, you know, you get married, you go to college, you have kids, you raise your family. And then I'm thinking, well, some of those things didn't fulfill me the way I wanted them to fulfill me. What, what do I need to do? What is my purpose in life? How am I going to make an impact on the world? How am I going to, in a sense... How is the world gonna know that I was here? What what am I contributing? Just besides, you know, raising a family and, and being a teacher, is there anything else that I have to give? And so I really started looking for that. And then I realized that there were, were gaps in what I was seeing around me as far as when I looked at entertainment, I like poetry, I like comedy, I like music, but I couldn't find them all together. So I created a show for indie artists to come out and perform both poetry, comedy and music. And I wanted it to really be focused around uh, being very uplifting. So there were certain performers I wouldn't put on my show. You know, one of my slogans was come stressed, leave refreshed and stays in, spreads in. So that's kind of how that started. Um, Let's
0: talk about if I can interrupt you for a second, let's let let's go back sure. a little bit. Let, let's talk about like uh, when you went to college, you went to university, right? Yes. Okay. Because, because I know you were a teacher. So did you go to university to be a teacher first and then get more involved or, or the, the the want for, well, we're going to talk about your journey as a poet and so forth. But did you go to school to be a teacher?
1: I started off uh, taking a few business classes and I was being taught a lot of manipulative techniques. So I, I started got out of those business classes quickly because I, my mother was an entrepreneur. A lot of my relatives have been entrepreneurs. She wanted me to be an entrepreneur. Uh, and I said, oh, I'll never do that. Now here I am being an entrepreneur. Then um, I did a little bit of journalism, but I didn't like the whole deadline thing. It was very difficult for me. So I got out of that. And then I ended up uh, taking poetry classes, taking uh, art classes. And then finally I settled on education. So I was one of those people who spent about two years in college just trying out a bunch of things because I couldn't find what fit me. And uh, finally, education was something that that just fit me. And so that's how I ended up in the field of education.
0: Now you were a teacher for over 20 years, correct? 26
1: years. I've been a teacher and uh, I started off, I did my student teaching in seventh grade and I was like, oh my goodness, no, I can't. I need a little more maturity. And then I went to ninth grade. I've taught ninth, 10th, 11th, and 12th. I've taught uh, English as a second language all the way to advanced placement, pre-AP. So uh, I mostly teach pre-AP In AP now, that's what I taught this past year, but this coming year, I'm gonna be teaching English as a second language as well as advanced placement. So that's gonna be both ends of the spectrum. The the top kids that can get college credit for my class and the ones that are just here for a year and have just learned you know, some of the basics of the language. That's so a big stretch.
0: Help us to understand what AP is. I, I'm a parent, and I understand it from that perspective, but some out there may not.
1: Um, advanced placement is a college board class, so it's open to any student who wants to take it. Basically, what I teach, uh, English 1301 is what you would take in college, or English 1300, which is rhetoric and comp. So we deal with completely nonfiction, We deal with argumentation. We deal with breaking down, um, writing, rhetorical analysis. The goal of, of advanced placement is for the student to take a college class as a high school student. And when they finish to be tested by College Board. College Board is the same group that gives the SAT, the PSAT, which are, of course, those tests that you take to place into college to get your SAT score that colleges look for. And the PSAT gives you that ability to get scholarships. Well, the AP test gives you the ability to get college credit for a high school class. If you pass it at a certain level, which is Score-wise, it's about an 83 or 85 on the test. Um, and if you make that score, you can get college credit in, in many universities. Some require a higher score, like a 90 or a 95, uh, but it depends on the university what they take as far as the score. But it doesn't really give you a numeric score. It gives you a, a 1, 2, 3, 4, or 5. But I'm just, you know, for the general public, trying to give, us, give them an idea of what that score will relate to.
0: Well, it gives an opportunity, I think, for kids to get ahead in college early. Yes. It's kind of a jump start, so to speak. My, my yeah. oldest daughter went through AP classes in high school, and it actually gave her a jump start. Both my kids actually did that. Um, I gave them a jump start with uh, with their college career, so they didn't have to attend as long because they got college credit in while well, they were in the senior year of high school. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah, that's definitely. the goal. It is a very difficult class. Some some students are um, really daunted when they start it and they feel overwhelmed, but generally, most students are able to adapt to the workload because it is a lot of homework, a lot of reading, a lot of writing, so it is it is not a high it's not your high school English class. It is a college English class in a high school, on a high school
0: campus. Well, and you've been, uh, you were a great teacher because I know that you won the Teacher of the Year for AHS in 2011, 2012, and... 2017, 2018.
1: Yes, I've been Teacher of the Year twice. I've been nominated six times. I have two national awards for teaching that students submitted. You know, they submitted me for those. So, yes.
0: And I I think that you utilize some of those tools that you teach and some of those tools that you learn in the Xenology, which we'll talk about here in a little bit.
1: Yeah, I uh, it's Zenergy and and Zenergy. yeah, I um, everything that I learn I try to to instill in my students in terms of just principles. I believe in principle based living, you know, um Zenergy is the whole idea of principle based living. So we started off with like the, the principle of abundance, access, action, you know, every week is on a different principle. And so we talk about that, our journey. And getting better at that. And then people talk about their own personal journey as artists, entrepreneurs, you know, teachers, whatever they are.
0: That's interesting. Can we talk a little bit about I know that you're a survivor of rape and domestic violence. we regard to that. How has that affected your path in life?
1: Well, um, most of my life up until about 25, I didn't really remember um, the sexual assault. It actually came back when I was in a violent situation with my ex-husband and he pinned me down in a certain way and all of a sudden all of these flashbacks just hit me and I was like oh my god and I really kind of started to fight him very very hard and so there are some survivors that are walking around and they don't remember until something triggers them and then at that point um I ended up in counseling while I was still married for about six months because I was constantly having flashbacks from that time it was just really traumatic I would just walk into a room and smell something and I have a flashback or hear something and have a flashback. And it was very disruptive to my life. And it was very, in a sense, scary because you didn't feel like you had control of your own mind or I didn't feel like I had control of my own mind because it was like these, these, when a person, when I had flashbacks, I'll speak that way. It was like, I was taken back to that place. And I had to remind myself that this is no longer happening. This is I'm safe. I'm safe. So uh, one of the techniques I learned in therapy was, okay, you're in the flashback, change something, you know, make the person five inches smaller, give yourself a weapon, you know, change the memory. So it's not so traumatic. Give yourself some kind of feeling of power you know have your older self standing by you saying hey you got through this you're okay you know just breathe you know so eventually i had changed enough things in that memories to where it would come back and it wouldn't be as scary and then it was even less scary and then it was less scary and then eventually it didn't come back at all and that took about 6 months of of that kind of mental, in a sense, manipulation, um, because memories can be re-traumatizing. You can actually re-traumatize yourself through the flashbacks, you know? So Mm -hmm. that was one of the things that I learned through therapy to do, and it was very successful for me. And then coming out of uh, the domestic violence, you know, I had lost myself. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know. I had just lost my whole identity. And then, you know, many abusers tell you so many negative things about yourself. So kind of beginning to feel like, okay, I am worthy. I am lovable. I am valuable. uh, I do have things to offer. That rebuilding of self was very pivotal. So I did a lot of journaling. I did a lot of reading. I did some therapy um, to, I guess, rebuild myself, you know? And then when I got married again, it was definitely not physically abusive, but there was some neglect in the relationship. There was some emotional abuse in the relationship, and so when I came out of that marriage again, I had to go through innocence the whole process again. But at that point, I had grown so much as a person, I was able to do a lot better job in terms of okay, I'm going to uh, not only help myself, but reach out and help other people at this point, and and try to do what I can to make um, the world a better place. You know, and I will say that I did get a lot of help from um, the Houston Area Women's Center. I went to their support groups. Uh, I work with some of their counselors. So there are some resources that were definitely beneficial to me that were in a sense, social services kind of things.
0: Do you think there was anything within there that motivated you to poetry?
1: Well, um, most of the time when I was married, I didn't write a lot. Um, I wrote more when I left. I think that many times artistic expression for me, it takes a level of safety, emotional safety, mental safety, and and security um, to to be vulnerable, to be open. And so um, I wrote a lot when I left (laughs) those relationships. You know, I wrote a lot about every that had happened and and just different um my transitions um so poetry was definitely therapy once i left i think i wrote very little during the relationships
0: well i know that you performed poetry more than like 50 times or 50 different venues
1: yeah yes
0: <laughs> yeah what was it like to perform when I mean, it, it was it cathartic to come out and be able to perform your poetry on stage like that
1: Well, you know, I'm an introvert. So when, um, I first got the idea that I wanted to perform, I didn't really want to perform in a sense. I just wanted to read my work to people. And actually the first piece I ever did was a piece about my first marriage. It was about domestic violence. Um, and I got such, a reception from the audience. It was like they were so receptive to it. It was such a warm reception that I was like, oh my gosh. The energy from the audience was something I had never experienced before. It was, I wanted to go back. I wanted to do it again. And then um, I was dating a guy at the time who used to be a photographer for a magazine. He was like, oh my God, that was so incredible. He was such a cheerleader. Uh, between his reaction and the reaction of the audience, I was pretty much hooked that first time. So it was, you know, as a teacher, therapy, right? Poetry as therapy was very helpful. There's a lot of stress in teaching, a lot of stress in a lot of jobs, but especially jobs that deal with the public. So poetry helped me to deal with the stress of my own life. And then getting on stage was a whole nother level. It was like there was almost a... Uh, it's kind of hard to even explain it to somebody who has never experienced it, but it was almost like um, you you just get fed. It's it's like you get fed by the energy of the audience and by the feeling that there's this bond, there's this this unity, you know, this family kind of thing. And so I really I really love that, and and um, that was one of the reasons why I created my show because I noticed that different shows had different levels of that. Some shows were more competitive right. and you didn't get that same feeling of unity and some shows were much more about the artistic expression and the bond of the with the audience and i wanted my show to be like that i well, wanted to bring that up more
0: yeah and it, it's interesting because poetry i'm a poet myself and uh, years and years and years ago i'd won a golden poet award and a uh, from my angelou and from uh, and a silver poet award but I haven't written poetry for years, for many, many years, but I never really wanted to read it publicly. So for you to do that is like, you know, amazing and outstanding. I think that because of that, it, it's, it's a kind of a cross. It's almost like rapping that kind of momentum. But you tell a story in your poetry and if somebody listens very intently they can hear that story it's that's why I was really really happy about the young lady that uh, during the uh, Biden's inauguration that ran, that read the, her poetry and that powerful poetry actually and it launched her into something to give her more confidence in the ability to, to, to go out and express more from a very artistic and a performance level, it was amazing. So I said, and I'm sure that makes you feel, every time you went up, you know, you get to share what was deep inside you. Just, you know, from your heart and your soul, you know, it got to come out each time you come up there.
1: Yeah, there's, there's writing poetry, there's reciting poetry, and then there's spoken word. And those are three di- very different things because I can't, you can't do spoken word with every piece of poetry. It won't work. You know, you have to have, it has to have a certain rhythm to it. Um, and poetry always has rhythm, but it, it's just, it's, it's hard to explain. It's it, spoken word has to have almost, a, the, the poetry has to be almost a, it has to be created to be performed in a sense so it's it's kind of different but but yeah
0: in your poetry itself it can be found in like a do- over a dozen anthologies magazines and so forth yes what motivated you to become a comedian
1: oh I, I, I host comedians, but I'm not really a comedian. Really a comedian. <laughs> I organize shows that have poetry, comedy, and music. And the goal behind that was to have something for everybody. Uh, some people love music. Some people love comedy. Some people love poetry. But I wanted to have something for everybody. And I also wanted to be able to marry those because I think that they build on each other. And they can bring out different you know aspects or different reactions from the audience.
0: So you're a promoter and you yes. produce, you produce these as well? Yes, it is a combination of. I mean, each one of these shows. That you tell me more about that. Is it? Is this the the laughs and lyrics?
1: Laughs and lyrics. Yeah, I started. Doing open mics about three years ago. Um, I had been, well, actually, I started doing open mics about four years ago. I started performing about four years ago. And then three years ago, I was doing an open mic and the owner just came up to me and he said, I don't like this open mic. I'm gonna keep doing it, but I don't like the fact that I never know who's gonna show up, how many performers are gonna show up, and I can't guarantee my audience anything. I can't guarantee my the people that are coming anything. Um and he's like, I really like your poetry, I like your style, I like, you know. I just like your vibe. He was like, could you create a show for me where I could have a flyer with performers on it? And I would know who's going to come. I would know how many performers are going to be. I could tell people it's going to be a two hour show. And I said, uh, okay, give me a month. And uh, I just talked to everybody. I knew I had, you know, my mother was a an entrepreneur and she had taught me how to network from the time I was a teen. And so when I went out and performed, I just, I had been gathering numbers for about a year. So I had numbers of a lot of people, a lot of performers by that time, just because, just because it was what I was taught to do. And so um, I just started calling people up. I need a DJ. I need somebody to create a flyer. I need, you know, I need a co-host because at that time I'm an introvert. So I've never hosted a show before. So I'm like, I need some help. So I need a co-host. And then, um, The idea came, okay, we're going to make this comedy, music, and poetry. So let me get a comedian who's going to co-host with me because I can be kind of serious. I need somebody to keep the energy up. And so a month later, we had our first show. You know, everybody, all of the performers that I talked to except one agreed to come out and we had a great show. And then that was the first show of about 60 over the last uh, three years. Mm. Yeah. And when COVID uh, happened, of course, all of those shows went away. We, we, we couldn't have any live shows. So. I was going
0: to ask you how COVID affected it. I've talked to a few other comedians and entertainers, actually, both musicians um, as well as comedians, who had said that uh, their life basically stopped.
1: Yeah. Well, it was so, for me, it was so traumatic. It was like a death, COVID, the quarantine because as I said, when you get to being used to performing, and I was probably performing at least once a week and had done that for about two years at that time to go from four performances a month to no performances. And you don't even know Mm -hmm. when it's coming back. Plus this was my second income. It was very traumatic. Um, and so it took me again back to, okay, how do I cope with this? How do I deal with this loss? And that's what that's where actually Zenergy came out of because people have been telling me I should create a podcast for th- the two years, ever since my first show. They were like, Oh, you have a great voice, you know, you would have a great podcast, you know, you have great poetry. People would tune in to listen to it. And I'm like, mm, I already have a show to do my poetry. Why would I have a podcast? So I didn't have I didn't feel like I had anything to talk about. But then when COVID happened and I felt such a loss and I had no idea how to deal with the loss. Um, then I was, I I actually came up with a way to deal with it, which was to go back to the principles that had guided my life and actually make a list of them. And I actually wrote them out as the ABCs. I just started writing down all of these things that I valued, all of these things that I still had, even though we had a quarantine going on, Mm -hmm. even though we had, you know, George Floyd killed and there were protests in the street, even though people were losing their jobs, there were still things that I had that were internal that none of that was going to take away from me. And it gave me such a feeling of peace and security. I could sit there and write about these and decide how I'm going to incorporate this more into my life. How I'm going to let this guide me into, you know, transitioning to the next thing. And so I'm like, okay, this is what I'm going to talk about. I'm gonna get people to come on here. We're gonna talk about these principles. We're gonna talk about how we're coping and we're gonna talk about how we're moving to the next
0: thing. And that's a very good thing and from that perspective. I know that COVID, COVID changed people's lives. Uh, unfortunately, some of them changed for the worse, uh, permanently, but I think that it uh, kind of gave us a new perspective on uh, the value of what we have and what we're missing and what needs to be there. It sounds like you took the ABCs of that and put it into play to help people move forward in life.
1: Yeah, I did. And um, so I started it, I took a podcasting class because I didn't know anything Um, and I took a podcasting class and then I, like I said, I had already listed all these topics and then I just kind of put it out there. I got the, I went on Fiverr, got my little podcast art done Mm -hmm. and uh, I put out a little blurb of what it was going to be about. And I did the first two episodes myself because I wanted to just get used to being on the mic I mean, and all that. And then I started inviting guests on. And um, so from that first show in October till now, I've done um, 36 episodes and um, we're in 57 cities and 20 countries. I have subscribers now.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's amazing.
1: And yeah, I've created all kind of merchandise that goes with it, you know, so that's become, you know, a whole a whole nother business
0: in a sense entrepreneur so, yes it's a whole <laughs> level of entrepreneurship or, yes. or i guess when i when i i've been part of podfest and a few of the i don't know if you've heard of podfest or not it we actually broke two world records um for attendance to podfest i say we because i was a speaker there i one of the keynote speakers at the last one and uh ah, okay. yeah we broke two world records but in there we call it solopreneurship They've, changed, they've kind of coined that little term there, which is unique. Um, how does the Houston, uh, I know that you're uh, the, an organizer for the Poets for Change. How, how did that come about?
1: Well, um, when I first started my Labs and lyrics show, again, I, I told you that I saw gaps. So um, I saw that people were trying to do like coat drives and blanket drives and shoe drives and, you know, canned food drives and all these different things. And they were doing it through schools and they were doing it through churches. And there were people who didn't have kids in school and didn't go to church, but they Hmm. did go out at night and they did go out for entertainment And so um, I started to incorporate with some of my shows, okay, if you bring a canned food or if you bring, you know, um, a, a toy for a child, you know, around Christmas time or if you, you know, whatever, you get a discount on your ticket, or even you get in free, you know, just Mm depended on if we had sponsors or not for that show. And so I ended up being able to partner with um, different community organizations and say, Hey, okay, come on out. You know, you can build this as a place where people can drop off donations, you know um, and and we're working out of bars and lounges and restaurants. So um, these are, you're going to get these people who don't go to church, don't have kids in school, you know, wouldn't come to your community organization because it's out of their way. But they'll come here because they're getting a benefit out of it, you know, in terms of uh, a free ticket or a discounted ticket. And so um, I I got labeled as an activist. I got labeled as a community organizer because I kept doing these, like every two to three months over a period of two years, and I got, you know, I'm working with, you know, the Shape Community Center. I'm working with Surge Houston. I'm working with Pure Justice. I'm working with the Shrine of the Black Madonna. I'm working with just all of these different organizations. And um, so then there's a poet named uh, Billy Duncan, who's been in poetry for, oh gosh, probably 40 years. And she was the Houston organizer for um, the Big Poetry Fest in Houston and also for 100,000 Poets for Change, which is a global organization. I had actually never heard of it. And she's like, mm. she jumped in my inbox on Facebook and said, I wanna take you to lunch to talk to you about something. And I said, okay, you know, cause I knew who she was. I had heard mm-hmm. her name, you know, all over the place. And it was a great thing to meet somebody who's been doing, you know, poetry for 40 something years. So I'm like, whatever she wants to talk about, I'm gonna listen. And so she took me to lunch and she's like, I need somebody to take this over. I I have I already have the poetry fest. I already have this. I, I can't do this too. And she's like, you already do this. You're a poet and you already are activist, you already deal with all these organizations. So you know, take it over. And I said, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so I've been doing that for two years. And, um, so, uh, through hundred thousand poets for change, I do publicize on, on Facebook and on sometimes on Instagram, but mostly on Facebook, anything that's going on in the community, any artivism that's going on, uh, any kind of, you know, protests or artistic events that have any kind of social justice leaning. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm basically I'm posting almost every day, something. And uh, trying to get people to go out and, and, you know, whether it's like I said, donations or whatever. You know, when we had the the winter storm, of course, there were all kind of water drives and all that kind of stuff. So just trying to get the word out about things. We do one show a year that's just Poets for Change, that's just social justice themes, uh, and that's in September. So there is a actually a Poets for Change Day. Uh, and I can't think of what it normally is around September 28th, but I haven't looked to see what day it is this year. but every place in the world that there is a chapter will have a show on that day.
0: Oh, very cool. I'll have to look that up. I'll make sure it's in the show notes so that people can kind of get involved with that. You actually have been honored with a Congressional Award for activism.
1: Yes, I have Sheila Jackson Lee gave me a award for activism, yes.
0: Well, see, that's a positive thing. Sometimes the word activism scares people because they, they think that, you know, you could be a radical activist or you can be a very positive activist for change.
1: Well, people are scared by change, period. And and uh, there's, you know, I, I, I like to say that there's a lot of people who like to quote Martin Luther King Jr., but they don't like to quote everything he said. Right. And one of the things that he said was a riot is the voice of the people when they've been silenced and Mm -hmm. now we don't want anybody to riot. We don't want anybody to be hurt or injured. You know, I don't think anybody wants that, Mm -hmm. but there's a reason why things happen. And sometimes people are so angry with the effect, but they want to deny that the cause even exists. And that's really unfair. That's really ridiculous. You know? So, um, I would hope that people would find positive ways to make change, but that, you know, many of the things that have happened in our history have come from violence. The civil war led to Mm -hmm. emancipation. Had we not had a civil war, I'd probably still be a slave. So I can't, as a black person, as a black woman, there's no way in the world that I can say that there's no room or need ever for people to take up arms and the same people that are upset about activists in a sense. Many of those same people are up in arms about their Second Amendment rights mm-hmm. and they feel like they should have the right to carry a gun and nobody should take that away from them. But then they're upset with somebody carrying a sign or kneeling.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that sometimes it's taken too far and out of context in many ways. and. Sometimes they take a definition to fit their own needs and how they, how they need to fit. Um, I believe that, um, unfortunately, I believe that there are those individuals that, uh, take something to the extreme and that extreme does, is, doesn't have a place in any of this. Um, peaceful works. Um, communication works and being an activist in the right context works. Um, Without injury, without violence, you know, to a perspective, I guess civil, like you said earlier, the Civil War, it was an extreme, but it also, in that sense, it was kind of a necessity for change, which is a whole other conversation. Necessity for change in that regard. What you do is a good thing, and and the activism that you promote is a good thing, is a positive thing. You 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 push people to to work in a very good direction. And in, in, no matter what, and you don't promote violence, which is a positive thing. So um, you did write a self-help book, though.
1: I, I've written two. Um, the one, the, I'm actually working on the next volume of this one, which is, this is my personal development package. It's a $15 package. So it comes with a workbook, stickers, a blank journal, a motivational band, and tabs. And it goes with the podcast. So actually, this is like a finished page, and I'm trying to,
0: <laughs> <You got it. laughs> this is
1: like a blank page. So basically, at the top of every page, there is a concept. So the first volume one was all A's. So this one happens to be Abundance. You know, the idea that, you know, we are fed the idea of scarcity and that leads to so much fear. But if you replace that with the idea of abundance, that there is enough for everybody, you know, and that I I don't have to fight and step over you to get my needs met. Mm -hmm. We can actually work together cooperatively and there's enough for both of us. You know, so up at the top you get, as I mentioned, you get a blank journal, you tab the journal and then you answer the journal prompts, you know, inside of your journal. And like, this is mine. and I'm actually got it upside down, but you tab the journal and you answer the journal prompt. So you can kind of see how I've written in my journal and mm-hmm. the tab is there. And then you have a place to put a song, a movie, a book, an affirmation, a personal goal and date. You've got a little vision board space at the bottom. So at the bottom, I've got the earth for abundance and I've got my arrows of how I could bless people, people could bless me. And then you have a place to put a person who's passed on that inspires you in that area. So I put Langston Hughes. He was the first black writer that made a living from his writing. And then a contemporary, I put Oprah Winfrey. She's, of course, a black billionaire. And then you can actually go in here. Like I said, you could take notes on the song that you wrote down, like what lyrics stand out to you. You could even make an Apple list or a Spotify list. Um, you can take notes on the person. I took notes on Oprah Winfrey and Langston Hughes because these can become your role models. They can become your guides. You know, how do I actually incorporate what they did into my life? You can take notes on the book. Uh, You know, I'm a teacher. I believe in reading. So you can take notes on the book that you got for that um, topic. And then you go on to the next topic. And so there's actually 16 topics in this first volume one that I created. You know, and so you go through and you, you know, you fill out the next one. And then some of them ask you for a motivational speaker. There's meditation prompts in here, you know. So basically you're just going through and you're really exploring some different topics. But this is personalized. So some people like audiobooks. You could use audiobooks with it. Some people like um, to draw instead of cut out and paste, you know, so you can do that. You can put words in here instead of drawing or cutting and pasting. So it's very personalized, But the whole goal is for you to really delve deeply into the principles that make your life work and help you to really focus in on that toolbox. I call it creating a toolbox. You create a toolbox and then when you need it, you reach in and you get the tool that you need, you know, whether that tool is, you know, taking action or having balance or having boundaries or whatever. So these are all concepts that we cover in Zenergy. And so each page actually goes with um, one of the episodes of my podcast and you actually hear me and whoever the guest is talk about how we actually applied that principle to our life, you know, so that's, That's actually the self-help book. One of them that I created, the the other self-help book was just on abundance. It was a mini book. So these are both mini books. This is a 20 page workbook and the um, abundance book is about 25 pages. So, so far I've been creating really things that I think are digestible. You know, this workbook, you could do a page a week, And with 16 topics, it'll take you about four months to get through it, but really delve into that page and really apply it to your life because it's about applying it to your life and really giving yourself something that's going to help you get more in touch with yourself, your goals, your affirmations, you're feeding positivity into your life, you know, so. There are a lot of people that have said, hey, this really magnified my goals for me. This really helped me to like sift through things. It really helped me clarify my direction. And a lot of people have needed those kind of things during quarantine, you know, over the last couple of years. So I created this because I needed it. I had to. Re-establish myself, re-feel like I had some secure footing and and foundation, and then it was so helpful to me that I was like, I'm going to share this. I'm going to actually create, you know, take all my journals and put them in a digestible form where other people can kind of go on this journey. And so, yeah, so you know, I actually do workshops with it too.
0: Necessity is the mother of invention. <sighs> Yes. The old, the old cliche. So yes. the ABCs of Zen yes. basically is you've created this formula. Are you a coach?
1: I am I don't consider myself a coach. I do say that on my podcast that a coach draws out hidden potential on the subject. But when people say life coach, I've never done any training as a coach. I am a mom. I am a high school educator with 26 years. So I know how to write curriculum. I've done that many times. Um, that's my background. That's my training in terms of, I know how to write curriculum. I know how to help people learn. That's what I've done for 26 years of my life. That's what I've been trained to do through every staff development I've ever taken over 26 years, plus my college degree. So I know how to help people learn. I know, and learning is not what people think it is in terms of learning is not me telling you what you should know. Right. Learning is me leading you to ideas and helping you to gather what you need from it. So that's what learning is. So if if you only can learn when I'm here in front of you, then you haven't really learned anything. You know, I have to. a a good teacher teaches a student how to learn. You know what I mean? how to actually gather the information for themselves, how to make sense of things, how to organize things, how to build on what they're learning. So that's what I'm doing with this. So I'm an educator. And um, this is one of the ways that I'm now going to be educating people is, is not, there's no right way to do this. Mm-hmm. This is your journey into yourself, into your the depths of what you have and tr- pulling that out so that you can actually access it. Because we have a lot of stuff inside of us and sometimes we never tap into it. We just, it just sits there.
0: I agree with it. Brain's not used enough. The brain is definitely not used enough. And in reality, what you do and what you just presented to me, it is a life coach. You know, you may not have a certificate that says life coach, but experience and education behind you create that environment for you to be able to educate, nurture, motivate and inspire. And and to me, that's a better life coach because you come from experience.
1: Well, thank you. I'll I'll accept that. I just (laughs) never want people to say, "Well, you told me." You know, I'm going to tell you what I what I really am. You know, I don't want I don't want to take credit for anything I might not have innocence earned. But I agree. I I definitely agree with everything you said. And I appreciate
0: you giving me that title. You 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 earned it. (laughs) You know, it's it's one of these things that, you know, back. And obviously, people can see my gray hair now. I'm not a young chicken. <laughs> Way back when, you know, we didn't have life coaches. We had mentors. Yes. And, and the mentor did exactly what you're doing right now with people. You are being a mentor to other individuals to help motivate, inspire, move forward in their life. And yes. they've just evolved that into a term they call, and I'm not dissing life coaches. They, they, they've evolved that into a term called life coach. And in reality, you're a mentor, and, yes. and, and that's what you've done with people. So, is that how um, your podcast came about? I mean, do you-
1: that yes, that is how the podcast came about. Um, I actually, you know, we went into quarantine in in Houston, March 16th of 2020, and so um, I spent from March to. October, really doing a lot of writing, a lot of self-searching. I took the podcasting class that I told you about, but after, let's say March, April, May, June, July, probably the first five months when I was just doing so much self-searching and I was like, I have something to talk about now. That's where the podcast idea came from to, to share you know, my five-month journey in a sense mm-hmm. into feeling like I, I can now cope with This unprecedented set of events that completely threw me for a loop made me very fearful, confused, angry, you know, every emotion on the planet I'm feeling, looking at, you know, what I felt was ineptitude and politics and and just looking at everything. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was spinning. And I'm like, I don't like to spin in circles. I don't like to feel completely out of control. I don't like—I don't like any of these feelings that I'm having. I'm going to feel them. I'm not going to suppress them. But I got to do something to to make myself be in a better mental state, emotional state, um, and to give myself a direction. Because I feel like you know, if you can take any kind of action that's positive, that's good and i didn't know what kind of positive action to take so like i said after doing about 5 months of journaling meditating praying you know just all that stuff mm-hmm. then i was like okay i i have i have a plan and i have all these ideas and and i put it all down and then i was like okay i'm going to turn this into a podcast cuz i know that i'm not the only one feeling this and i'm not the only one that is experiencing this and I have, I have a way that worked for me and if it can help somebody else, then it would be kind of selfish for me not to share it.
0: So. Well, I think you, I think you're creating an environment that is a positive environment for people to grow and you've you're doing it in a very unique way. And I really like how you, how you connect your book, your workbook with, with your podcast, because in your podcast, you, you talk to your guests that come on, you talk about yes. a diverse set of topics too, right?
1: Yeah. Like I said, every podcast is themed. Like I said, the last one we just did, we did on bouncing back. Now that's, I mean, quarantine right there. Mm. We're, 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 everything's opening up. So my son actually came on that podcast and my cameraman came on the podcast. So he was kind of off camera, but he's talking because, uh, you know, we've got, here are adult perspective. I'm 50. My cameraman is in his thirties. My son is 26, but we all have an experience with bouncing back,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know? And so we're talking about that. We're talking about it educationally, professionally, relationship wise, you know, so personally. Um, but yeah, every, every week is a different concept. And what I do, um, I have a link tree that you'll show a, a little bit later. And it, there's a, a little form that says podcast guest form. So if somebody were to click on that, there are 10 topics up at a time and the person would pick their topic and then they would fill out, you know, the information, the biographical information on themselves. But the reason I put up 10 topics at a time is I really believe a lot in serendipity. You know, I believe that if you were to pick, let's say I'm, I just did an episode on B letter B, but you pick one on D that's up on my my list. It's time for that one. You know what I'm saying? If you're the next guest.
0: The universe talking to you.
1: Yes, the universe talking. So um, I put all the episodes up, of course, on my uh, website. So you can go alphabetically, but on the podcast, they're not alphabetical. They just happened in the order that they were recorded. And um, I just feel like, you know, it's serendipity It's the universe saying it's time for this one. It's time for this one. It's time for this one. So whenever somebody picks that one, I take it off the list. We do the episode and then, you know, it goes up on the podcast. And so I'm I'm definitely in, how could you say, I want to be in the flow of things. I want to be, you know, just letting the world, letting the universe, letting serendipity happen. And there we go. That's well, that, the next episode. That
0: works as a very unique way of approaching that. You know, you get the topics covered and then you get them covered at the time they need to be covered and at yeah. the time they need to be shared with with the world. So that right. that's yeah, very cool, very cool. Um what inspires you?
1: Everything inspires me. I mean, um when you wake up in the morning and you hear birds chirping, you know, that's inspiration. Um, a great cup of coffee and for inspiration uh, something someone says there's lots of things that people say and I'm like "Ooh, that was a really great idea that was a really unique perspective so as a writer I'm constantly inspired by things I'm constantly jotting things down I'm gonna come back to that later I'm gonna write about that later so uh, everything inspires me um, good and bad you know I think bad things can inspire us to, to deal with them. Good things can inspire us in, in how wonderful the world is. So it's there's not one thing that inspires me. It's it's everything in life.
0: That's a good thing. Do you have any advice for others that are going through the same journey that you went through? Um,
1: I guess the advice would be just to really listen to your heart, listen to yourself. You know, um, I will say sometimes that, In a sense, I I wasted some of my life, you know, and I don't believe that there are any accidents. So I'm saying that in the term of if I had given myself permission to do more with my talents, I probably would have accomplished more at this point. So I think that we have to give ourselves permission to use the abilities and talents that we have, even if the way that we plan to use them is not traditional.
0: Right.
1: You know, uh, sometimes people think, well, if I, if I can't do it this way that people say I should do it, then I guess I shouldn't do it. No. Um, you have to just follow the, the synchronicities, follow those, those things that happen. And then you're like, hmm, that was interesting that that happened. That seems like a door of opportunity just opened. Like yeah. I'll go back to my experience. I'm doing open mics. And this person says, I'd like you to create a show. I could have said, Oh, I don't know how to create a show. I could have said that. I didn't say that. I said, give me a month. All right. So if you get an opportunity and you don't know how to do it, do it anyway, figure it out along the way, ask for some time, give yourself permission to make mistakes. So I I think that people who are on a journey have to realize that, the journey is about stumbling sometimes and picking yourself up. It's about giving yourself permission to not know, giving mm. yourself permission to come out of your comfort zone, um, and and just go for it.
0: That's a good thing. And I want to take it to you to tell us how somebody can get in touch with you.
1: Yes. Yeah, so. Um, you can go to my website, laughsandlyrics.com. That's L-A-U-G-H-Z-A-N-D, lyrics.com. I do have merch on that website. I also have the past podcast episodes on that website. You can find the Zenergy podcast on all streaming platforms. It's spelled Z-E-N-N-U-R-G-Y. It stands for the urge for more peace and fulfillment in life. I also have another uh, website that has merch on it, laughsandlyricsmerch.com, L a G-H-Z-N, lyrics lyricsmerch.com. And then my link tree is linktr.ee slash Zenashe, Z-E-N-A-S-E. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram, Zenashe, Z-E-N-A-S-E. And people ask what that means. Zen, of course, means peace. Ashe is a Yoruba word that means my words have the power to change the world. They also mean, you know, what I speak becomes reality. Yeah.
0: Speaking of words that can change the world, this is one more thing before you go. Do you have any words of wisdom that you can share before we go?
1: Yeah. Um, the slogan for Zenergy is to, to enhance your own life and impact your circle. So that's what I believe. If you enhance your own life, you impact the people that you touch. And so enhance your own life, impact your circle. That's what I would
0: leave with it. Zen, I want to thank you very much for joining us on this particular conversation. I really enjoyed everything that you had to say and I look forward to following you in your podcast. I think that you're doing a wonderful thing for people in this world, in this lifetime, and the positive energy that you're pushing forward, I think, is is something that is a wealth of, of knowledge, advice, motivation, and inspiration. So please, keep doing it. Please. Keep moving forward. And thank you for being on the show.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. So thank you very much uh, again to Zen for joining us on this this conversation. And I look forward to seeing you next Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story. Share your expertise.